there are secrets out there, guys, performance marketing secrets, and knowing just one or two of them can light up your funnels. Let's go. This is Performance Marketing Insiders. I'm Chris Mechanic. Join me as we go deep into the secrets of the world's elite marketing minds. Performance Marketing Insiders is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the AI-driven performance agency that makes you smarter. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Performance Marketing Insiders. It's your executive producer, Jared Flegel here. And today we've got another compilation episode. So this week we're looking at four insights from four performance marketing legends, right? These are people that have been in the industry, in the game for a long time. You know, they're thought leaders, they're heroes to some in the space. Very excited to share their wisdom with you today. Uh, the first one is Larry Kim. Uh, he was the founder of WordStream, which he exited very successfully and is now the CEO at MobileMonkey. And he's gonna talk about his number one growth hack for 2022 and beyond. Next, we're going to feature Jay Abraham. He is a legend in the performance marketing space, a world-famous copywriter, marketing thinker, author extraordinaire. Uh, he is going to talk about the most underutilized asset for driving exponential growth in your business today. Uh, third, uh, we have Dennis Yu, and he's going to talk about uh, reframing sales and elevating others and how that can be a driver for your marketing in 2023 and beyond. And then finally, we have Eric Carlson. He is a true performance marketing insider. He's the uh, growth secret behind many brands um, that you may have heard of. Uh, and he's gonna talk to you about the five traits uh, of a highly skilled and unstoppable marketer. So without further ado, let's check out what these four marketers have to say and please enjoy. Larry Kim, if you don't know him, he's the founder of WordStream or was the founder of WordStream which was a PPC, a Google Ads management platform. They also did, I'm sure, some other platforms as well. But he grew that from basically zero to over 150 million, uh, or sold it for over 150 million bucks. I built it to 300 employees. Um, and he basically, then he went and started Mobile Monkey, which is a really, really next level uh chatbot automation platform, uh, which works across various platforms. I know Facebook, Insta, SMS, uh, and probably various others. Uh, they tout themselves as the world's best, and I believe them knowing a guy like Larry. Hey, hello, man. I've been a fan of yours for a long time. I followed WordStream. I thought that um, AdWords greater, like put your AdWords creds in here and let's integrate with your account and grade it, was like the most brilliant move ever. It, it, it really made the company like we were like struggling a billion dollar i'm like i saw that i was like shit business and that, that thing just kind of opened the floodgates for you know actually like 70 million like the year before last so um, Dude, that know. yeah that i thought was just i was like damn because i remember running into you guys because we've been around for 12 years i'm the co-founder here by the way at web mechanics we're a performance agency mostly google ads facebook ads some um some display some native uh and we do also analytics and conversion but we've been around for some years so i was following you guys in the early days i think i remember seeing it when you first launched that and i was like damn um never did swipe it at that time but it would probably still work. I'm surprised. Did you get a, a lot of copycats on that? Uh, you know, it it doesn't even matter. So uh, the way we built it was just so good that no matter who tried to copy it, it didn't matter. It was just like yeah. it was just like uh, 
we would do 50,000 reports per month. Okay. Like, so like, sure, you might get someone who tries to copy it and they might get like a couple hundred, but like that just increases their interest in like this grading and, and, and they would, you know, try this thing also. Like it was just, it's been run over a million times and, um, wow. It's all free advertising. I feel like we've gone, gone full circle. I feel like, uh, when I started this work back in, you know, a decade or two ago, it was all about chasing, I don't know, AdWords or SEO or, you know, Facebook ads and kind of jumping from one hoop to another. Um, but I feel like in general, the reason why digital marketing was so amazing was you, any company could just build a brand without having to have already been a brand. That makes sense. Cause you could just, so the barriers to entry are lower. You, you could just, you know, have a, you know, like eBay, they just bought a lot of AdWords credit, AdWords ads for one penny or like, you know, um, uh, uh, Wayfair, they just bought a billion domains, like, you know, buyfurniture.com and all this stuff. And they just, they just SEO'd the crap out of their, 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 their website. And you know, it didn't matter if, if uh, you know, Bob's Furniture was in the business for 50 years, you could just enter a market and, and, and um, you know, dominate, you know, by just knowing how these things worked. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think it's getting a lot harder these days. To, mm-hmm jump on these growth hacks and um, they are nowhere near as leveraged as they used to be and um, uh, and they are more short-lived like like it's usually uh, kind of exploiting loopholes and stuff like this and so when you ask me what's my favorite growth hack for 2022 and beyond we've actually come full circle it, it's back to building your brand um, I see like because you know Facebook ads, like, yeah, I love Facebook ads, but it's like uh, about a, an audience that I used to pay 50 cents per thousand impressions is now closer for the same audience. It's closer to $200. Uh, $200. For CPM. For CPM. You're going after like, like a particular audience. Like you go right. over the last decade, things have gone up by three, four orders of magnitude. Um, and so, you know, the other challenge is that the organic algorithms for social and search have kind of um, really uh, been updated so that you can't just pull an e-how. Like, you remember e-how? It was just like a bunch of SEO articles and it was right. like a ranking like the New York Times and all this stuff. Like, for, you know, just, just because they, they had the, figured out a few loopholes. Um, yep. But now it's like, there's all this machine learning and artificial intelligence into these algorithms that they don't even give you the chance to do that anymore unless you have a pre-existing brand. Like, yeah. like there's all these new brand signals, like uh, like how many branded searches do you get? Uh, you know, and if if you, if you don't have a, a ton of them, then then it doesn't matter how many links you have. You know, so right. so I think. Um, it's gotten a lot harder, basically. So it's it's harder to 
to fake it, you know, uh, like it's just, it's just like whether it's pay channels, organic channels, they've just gotten so much more competitive and so much more difficult. And so the question is, because you said 2022, how do you, you know, you know, once the growth hack still works in 2022 and beyond, um, it has to do with, uh, it has to do with, uh, do you know what the most discriminating factor of whether or not someone will click and buy from you is? Do you, do you know what's like follower count or engagement rates on a post? It's, it's, it's whether or not they've heard of you before. <laughs> so if they've heard of you, uh, you know, then they're three to five times more likely to click on your ad, three to five times more likely to click on your organic listing, three mm-hmm. to five more likely to open their emails. You know, the, the email spam, like the email filters all work the same way. Like if, if people are opening, then it delivers to inbox. If it, you know, no one's opening, it delivers to spam. Right. So, so this this kind of like how we've gone full circle. It's like, it's, it's not just that things have gotten so much more competitive. It's that the algorithms have evolved to quantify traditional brand signals as evident as measured by you know people's propensity to trust and click and open and buy um, and then to reward either paid or organic visibility uh, on those platforms like paid and organic social paid or paid organic search uh, email marketing like all these channels all leverage algorithms to, to to figure out delivery of the of the messages and yeah uh, and so the most leveraged thing that you could ever do to boost not just one of your channels, but every one of your marketing channels, paid and organic across different channels, because they all kind of work the same way these days, yeah. uh, would be to build your brand. Uh, because those are the people who are most likely to to click and and, and, and buy from you, which then gets kind of amplified in this virtuous cycle. Mm-hmm. Through through, uh, through through Facebook, Google, and other social and and and, and marketing channels, um, like enormously so. Like this is like not the the not the early two thousands where everyone who blogs, you know, a, a little bit would get a little piece of the pie. This is more like Powerball, where like you know, there's one or two really lucky winners per industry, and everyone mm-hmm. gets crushed. Yeah. So, in terms of like. How do you go about building that brand? Um, I think it has more to do with leveraging creativity uh, than the the traditional me- kind of mechanical loophole finding that we've been um, historically relying so much on. Um, yeah, you know, like exact match domains or or you know all these little loopholes that everyone's known about. Um, you know, those are much more diminished. And what's more important is that you leverage creativity to come up with these memorable ideas that stick. And, you know, we were just talking earlier about the AdWords grader. Like, right. th- that's a one in a million idea. I mean, I mean, what I mean is like, anyone could have done it, but no one did it. Okay. Right. And, right. Uh, so, so, so this thing, holy moly, like it, it just tells you like 
you're in the worst 10% of all the plumbers in the New York area and you wasted $6,000 on ads. And by the way, the person who's managing your account hasn't logged in in 120 days. <laughs> like, and, here, and, and things are trending badly. And then, and then we keep sending you a report card like every month to, to show you how much worse it got. Like, mm. like, so that's, that's like really anxiety producing FOMO. It kind of confirms a suspicion like every like people don't want to learn a new product for you know how to manage your AdWords. They just want to know how they're doing. That's like so we really figured out the psychological fear uh, that all every advertiser had, uh, you know, that so and so is wasting all this money. Uh, and and you know, to so the point where, you know. Two, two years ago, when I left WordStream, that was doing over 50,000 report cards per month. And so and that's all organic. It, like if you search for the word AdWords on Google, it will rank for that word. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, uh, so this is, I mean, so how do you build a brand without having a brand? It's, it's by leveraging like the power of creativity that that piece of software that we built was three guys, uh, about 60 days work. And that made more impact than, you know, all of the work combined of yeah. the entire marketing team over 12 years. So it's, it's just recognizing that there's an, an enormous leverage in the power of the idea. And, um, do you have any sense, you probably know, but do you have any sense of what uh, WordStream pulled from that in terms of revenue, from, in terms of that three guys, 60 days of work, just top line revenue? It was, it was a total pivot. We were doing keyword research tools up until that point, just mm -hmm. like, you know, that was selling for $49 and had a customer lifetime value of, of three months. Yeah. Uh, and then suddenly we became a, a viable, you know, pay-per-click advertising platform that worth was attracting the attention of like companies spending, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in ad in ads per month. Um, and, and, uh, it was, a, it was like, it was just such a force multiplier. Like it, it just gave our inside sales team perfect, like perfect insights into who to engage with and who not to engage with. Um, totally, man, that was so strategic for, uh, we did not mention this for those of you listening that do not know, uh, Larry, Larry Kim, prior to Mobile Monkey, was uh, founder of WordStream, which he sold. I think, I mean, it was in the hundreds of millions of dollars that you exited for, and I know you were spending probably a billion dollars a year at one point. But it was a big deal, and it was basically what he's saying is it was all attributable to this one tool that they built called the AdWords Creator, which you had to integrate with your Google Ads account, and then it spit out not just recommendations but psychologically derived recommendations right that were made them go oh man this is urgent i need to call now it was so brilliant yeah just wrapping this up like what's the what's the biggest growth hack for, for 2021 and, and beyond it's building your brand building your brand and building your brand why because this is the one thing that's gonna float all of your boats like across you know paid and organic channels across uh you know email marketing paid and organic search paid and organic social yeah uh, all, all the channels leverage machine learning to determine engagement levels and engagement levels are 
functionally determined by brand affinity. Okay, and then and the second point is just to say, how do you how do you build your brand? And well, it's in recognizing that not all ideas are equal, and that you really need to addition a lot of different like wacky ideas. Uh, find the unicorn, so the outlier, uh, so like the top one or two percent of ideas, um, which by definition, if you're just randomly guessing like ideas, you would need to try 40 or 50 or 60 different ideas to kind of have a good probability of finding that outlier um, and uh, and then going all in on that. Yep. Yep. So uh, we're going totally off script because this content is so good. Like I mentioned, we're going to just totally flip the script as executive producer, whatever, you know, gavel. <laughs> uh, so three minutes is out the window with this one. Uh, but I want to talk about several things really, but I, but just on your last comment about, you know, generating various ideas, um, you mentioned something that was like, hey, if you're just randomly generating them, then it's this. But if you're doing it strategically, then it's that. What does that process look like for you guys? How are you generating not just random, but actually potentially useful ideas and then actually testing them in market to see if they work? So all marketing starts with a campaign, some angle, something that you believe that people will uh, react to. Uh, and um, the problem is every marketer uh things things like the definition of whether or not a campaign is good or not is like how how much they like it okay right, right. Uh, but in reality it's it's not how much you love your marketing campaigns it's how people respond to it okay so so that's number one is you you have to have, have this kind of a external uh view of of uh kind of campaign quality if you will um Less to do with what your personal biases and opinions, and more about you know, how they, the the uh, universe, like like a low click through rate and a low conversion rate, is the universe is telling you that the idea that you are so in love with, like, isn't thing, right <laughs> thing at all. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and uh, the second the, the second thing is is you would so so be open to kind of you know that, that your ideas aren't as good as you 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 think they are okay uh, uh secondly it's it's um benchmarking so um you know all like we've managed you know tens of thousands of accounts and that adwords grader got run run over uh, you know a million times so you know that the average conversion rate you know whether you're selling software or or retail products or whatever it, it's around you know 2.3 percent roughly and um if uh if, if what we find is like, if you're in the top 10 percentile of an industry, uh, you can actually get those closer to like uh, five, five to seven percent. And if you're in the top, you know, three percent of the industry, you can get those conversion rates, just like web conversion rates up to you know, 10, 15 percent. We're super duper excited today. We have uh, with us Jay Abraham. Now, if you're in direct marketing circles, Jay Abraham really needs no introductions. He's widely recognized as one of the most successful and impactful marketing strategists, business innovators, and just entrepreneurs really um, in in the entire world. He's a best-selling author of multiple books. He speaks all around the world to to captivated audiences. I know you're a big fan of leverage, good leverage. Almost every business has hidden value, hidden assets, 
Yeah. You, you know, expounded on this many, many years ago and probably were the first person to bring up the idea things like relational capital and, you know, other ways to creatively leverage other people's assets and resources in a win-win way. Mm -hmm. I loved your like ABCs of how to do other people's money. You were like, here's in sticking point solutions. You were like, here's, you know, the ABCs of how you can, things you can leverage. Um, And of course that was many years ago. What are you, as you're working now with your current clients, like what are you seeing as the most frequently underutilized assets? Oh, geez. Well, the most underutilized assets for most people would be, you, you hit on it. It's probably the, the realization that there's tons of other people, influencers, uh, uh, media, uh, uh, indirect competitors, uh, complementary uh, providers that already have worked hard and spent a fortune, time, effort, money, uh, creating goodwill, trust to to uh, to identify and have a, a very very tight relationship with the same audience you want, and that most people spend all their time, effort, money trying to create you know outer periphery of trust with you know with a market that doesn't know them, whereas you can bypass bypass it, go to a market, go to a, a an influencer, go to a uh, you know, any kind of a relationship that already exists with them that knows them and you can shortcut that by years or, or totally and you can get business overnight. We've been able to double, redouble, redouble again people's businesses literally by figuring out who already has the relationship. Particularly, you do a lot of technology companies, a lot of SaaS companies that have a very long uh, a long residual LTV, whatever you call it, a, you know, a high a high, uh, you know, whatever you call it, they sustain the relationship for years and years, which means you've got an enormous capability on the front end to acquire the buyer through a strategic relationship by uh, generously sharing uh, uh, enough with the other side who could re- who could endorse you, introduce you, partner, uh, 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 collaborate, uh, strategically align with you in ways nobody else has ever thought. I think also one of the big mistakes is most people spend either too much or too little in the acquisition of the first transaction. First transaction can be the lead, can be the buyer. And when you when you realize that unless you realize what it either is worth to you over forever or what it could be worth by adding some other elements to the, the sales and the revenue transaction, uh, you know, you can't really optimize it. We, we, we've got, I create so many things that I forget to talk about. I've got, you know, a new concept called revenue system optimization that takes all the up to 61 impact leverage points in a revenue system and systematically questions every way that you do something and how it's doing, looking for, uh, looking for incremental improvements in each one that combine to give you geometric uh, improvements. We look at where uh, where fix can be moved to variable or performance-based. We look always, who's already got the audience? Who had the audience and left a job and has a relationship with everybody that is just being going idle and you could find him or her, they don't have a competitive, um, a non-compete restrictive covenant from their, covenant from their last job. They've spent you know, years in their job building trust with a decision maker that another company would give their left, you know what to try to reach. And you find these people and you 
convince them of the value of your product service company. Today, we've got the master of secrets. We've got my guy, uh, a marketing mastermind who's actually in the process. He's on a mission, but also in the process of creating a million jobs. He's been featured in New York Times, TechCrunch, CNN, The Economist on NPR. He's widely published, best-selling author of two books, Facebook Nation, which is used by over 700 colleges and universities today, uh, and then just recently printed the definitive guide to TikTok ads mm-hmm. uh, with my guy Perry Marshall. Uh, this is the host of the Coach You Show, CTO, CEO, and co-founder of Bliss Metrics. Ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Yu. Welcome, Mr. Chris. Always good to see you. The one and only Mr. Dennis Yu. I love talking to you, man. <laughs> I love listening to your voice. You're the smart, you're like easily among the top five smartest people I know. And you're just like so cool. And your vibe is just like so, <laughs> so right. I just like it. Well, when you bring out fried chicken, I'm there. Every Absolutely. Time you dangle the fried chicken, you know I'm there. Absolutely, man. Well, welcome to the show. We're super happy to have you. I want to start with like the main sound bite, which is I want you to reveal one of your secrets, just one. I know you have a ton, but I want to hear one secret uh, for the audience. Basically, think about some of your biggest wins, some of the things that had made you most successful. If you were to impart one secret onto the audience, what would it be? Here's one. And let me know if you've ever heard any variation of this, because a lot of people have these secrets. The best way to drive conversions, which is to get people to buy from you, is to never talk about yourself, but only have your clients and friends talk about you. So think about what that means. So most people, they're selling, they're trying to get people on a 15-minute phone call, they're, they got landing pages. All these things that are designed to get people to buy, 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 where it's them, the company, the manufacturer, the agency talking about what they do. But imagine if you had your best customers that were doing this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we had the Golden State Warriors as a client for five and a half years and we ran their ads. And, you know, a lot of people, I'd be in the office of the CMO and he'd get three phone calls from agencies while I'm there, all trying to hit him up on digital marketing and analytics and building websites and email and marketing automation and all that kind of stuff. And we yeah. just laugh at that because those people had zero cred and zero authority. So what I did was like one time I was invited to keynote at a conference in Norway. You ever been in Norway? No. Crazy. And this is one of the biggest conferences in Norway where they fill up a stadium And last year's keynote was Richard Branson. Uh And they said, hey, Dennis, would you like to be the opening keynote this year? I'm thinking, I'm not Richard Branson, but I'm not going to say no to that, right? Yeah. But instead of me speaking, I said, Kenneth, I'd love to come. And I'd love to teach a workshop and all this. But for the opening keynote, I appreciate the invite, but I'd like to invite the head of marketing for the Golden State Warriors to be your keynote. Because I think that that would be way more powerful. But I'll still come teach a workshop. I'll still do all these other pieces. And so the Golden State Warriors came and taught, you know, had the opening keynote and talked all about how they turned a million dollars of ad spend into $38 million of Ticketmaster provable ticket revenue and grew the email list and sold more merchandise and did all these great things. 
And I felt like the whole thing was an infomercial promoting us, promoting what we did. But that's not how the audience perceived it because it was the warriors talking about what they did, logging in to their Google Analytics, logging into their Facebook ad account, logging in and showing all the ads, showing exactly the performance, showing conversion, showing spend, showing how many tickets were being sold. So how does that, why is that more powerful than me giving a presentation on, well, this is the six step process that we use to set up ad campaigns and drive sales and optimize. Mm -hmm. Why is that? It's obvious. It's obvious why it's more powerful because third-party credibility, right? So if I tell you how awesome I am, it's less believable than if you say how awesome yeah. I am. If I talk so about that, how awesome I am, but I'm like, why is nobody else doing this? So, so three questions, bad, basically. And they don't know any better. Why is nobody else doing it? Yeah. How do we do it? Mm-hmm. Really just two, those two. Yeah. How come nobody? I mean, because it seems obvious. Uh, now that you say it, but it seems actually quite insightful because nobody's doing it. Everybody's <laughs> selling themselves, right? There's two reasons. One is that the, the inertia of selling usually translates to a model of you know account reps, sales reps, people that set up meetings, appointment setters, BD, whatever you want to call it, this whole function around sales. And so salespeople have quotas and they get commissions and they're trying to line up as many calls as they can that turn into leads that turn into, you know, closed one, whatever Salesforce level, you know, marketing qualified, sales qualified all the way through until you have a deal and you have an LTV and then it moves over to inside sales. Like there's, you, you, you know, you know that that yeah. like whole process. And so that machine just operates the way it's always operated without realizing in the last five years, 10 years, the world of digital has completely flipped things to be based on word of mouth where you can Google a company, 80% of, I saw this stat, 80% of people, uh, by the time people, how does it, you know, yeah, 80% of people, by the time they've gone to a company's website, have they've already decided to buy. Yeah. So all the research is done outside of your own channels. So that means word of mouth is super powerful, which is why TikTok's so powerful because you can boost other people's posts. So number one, right, reason why, people keep doing this the wrong way and talking about themselves is because the sales channels haven't evolved to incorporate word of mouth and referrals and reviews. Right. I powered, I don't want to call them testimonials because that's also bogus too. Wow. Dennis, you're blowing my mind right now. Literally blowing my mind. I have chills a little bit because you hire even a smart, like chief sales officer, you know, chief revenue officer. Yeah. They're going to come and install that traditional, you know, BDRs, set appointments and pass right. it off. Yeah. They would never think to go after a strategy like this, probably because it's just so different and probably because they don't know how. Yeah. You know, but it yeah. might make sense to, so web mechanics, you know, us, we don't have really a sales team. I'm in the process of installing one because right. we'll need one, you know, to continue scaling. But maybe instead of doing it the old way, maybe we set up a sales team mm-hmm. in the new way. So instead of BDRs that set cold appointments, maybe those BDRs do something else. I don't know. But so let's go to the how. So for, <laughs> for anybody listening right now that has a sales team or runs a sales team, how could they maybe not transform the entire thing, but how could they tap into this a little bit more? This idea of getting your customers to sell for you. 
let me give you a super powerful, valuable nugget. And this is when we sat down and ate fried chicken with your head of marketing. Yeah. He was doing cold calling and, and very clever in the way that he was doing it. And that's this, never have anyone in sales with sales in their title. Of course, in any company, if you have under 100 people, everyone's in sales, right? Because what happens if sales is in the title? What happens to the prospect of the lead when they see sales in the title? Automatic shutdown, yeah. Because yeah, what do you think that person's going to try to do? What kind of respect do you have for that person? Here's what you do. You reframe them. Now, a lot of people will, they'll rename into like customer success and, you know, client management or like some sort of thing, which is really just sales. But I want to go many steps further. Think about this way. Let's say that, you know, God forbid, in your brand new model Y, you got in an accident because Elon Musk's self-driving thing didn't work, right? And then you had to go to the hospital. I love that model Y car you have. Wow, that thing accelerates nicely. Oh, yeah. And but but you know, you go to the hospital, into the emergency room. And what happens in the emergency room? Well, you know, they look at you and they they triage for the people who are the most likely to die or most urgent. And then they x-ray, you take your blood, all this. And along the way, they say, Chris, it looks like we're going to have to do the surgery on your arm, right? Because here's the x-ray and here's the broken bone and we're going to do the surgery and it's going to cost this much or, you know, whatever it is. Here's the whole thing we're going to do. And then different people, they have, you know, whatever, runny noses or cancer or whatever it is. And they're all being treated. How many salespeople, Chris, are in the emergency room? Zero. Zero. Do you think if they put emergent, do you think if they put more salespeople than BDRs in the emergency room that the hospital could increase their sales? Uh, <laughs> arguably, but probably not. No. Well, why not? I mean, you, you, you need more salespeople if you want to scale, right? I mean, if web mechanics wants to scale, you need to hire more salespeople. Well, I don't know. I mean, we could have, well, yes, it probably would not work in a hospital setting. Why not? Uh, because it's an urgent, like it's an urgent need, you know, like if I have my arm broken, uh-huh. I want that fixed. I may not be interested in the upsell or the cross sell, you know, uh-huh. or the insurance package or the extra insurance package. But let's say it's something really critical. Like you had this head injury or, you know, you had a heart attack or something. Would you be shopping around for other heart surgeons and see who could give you the late, you know, Hey, you know what? The hospital across the street, they're offering heart surgery for half off. If I buy by tomorrow. Would you like to go to that place? No, definitely not. But you know what? But if you buy the heart surgery, they'll give you a liver transplant for half off. <laughs> How about that? No? No. No, so thanks. Everyone in sales knows the BANT model, right? Budget, yeah. 40, need, timing. Well, when you have inbound leads that come through referrals because they know who you are and they're in clear pain because they have an issue with whatever, their PPC or leads or they launch a new product or something's not right, okay? And they come to you. And if if you're good, if you're like web mechanics and you've been doing this for over a decade and you're good, people know who you are, right? People in your town know who you are. Like you, I remember we've walked into restaurants or whatever and you just like run into these people and like you're, li- you're the mayor basically as far as I can tell, Chris, right? Mm. They know who you are. And so this natural referral thing is already happening to drive these inbound leads. So if you are featuring your customers and clients and partners all the time, giving them credit, making them look good, running dollar a day 
to push that content out there, like the podcast episodes, putting dollar a day so people see it on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, all that on you know SEO. So it's showing up in search results. Then customers come to you and thus this sales team is now more of a diagnostic team where you don't have to convince the client to work with you. What they want is a diagnosis of, well, all, you know, I have, I have chest pain. Is it because of heartburn and I need to take a Pepto-Bismol or do I need heart surgery? And so I need yep. an expert who can tell me this. So when you go to the hospital, you don't question the expertise of the doctor, do you? They've no. got the white lab coat, the stethoscope around their neck. When you get on a plane, do you question whether the pilot is going to be, you know, are they going to crash the plane? No, no, no. So you have trust in whoever that is because they're certified because they've done it a long time because they're not using cars, used car salesmen, slick tactics. Right. So I think if, if the rest of our industry, no matter what the industry is levels up, then digital marketing or whatever it is that we're selling won't appear like this slimy thing that needs to be pushed on the people where we have to try to convince them that they need this thing that they don't really even want. Because by definition, if you're cold calling them, you, it's cold. You don't have relationship strength. They don't have clear need. You're trying to hunt and find a problem that maybe you can get them to buy into. That's just, that's an uphill battle. That's a really hard place to start. Why not just elevate your customers and then all the other people that are like that will say, hey, you know what? I'm like that person. I want that same result. I need to talk to Chris. I love it. I love that. So the big idea is get your customers, your raving fans to basically sell for you. Yeah. And there's, there's playbooks you know, in our space, in the digital marketing space. But let's pretend that you're like a financial service company. Like, let's say you're a bank. Yeah. yeah. Like, but how would you do that if you're a bank? Or so my friend, my friend Caleb Williams sells life insurance. That is a hard thing to sell, right? Oh, yeah. Imagine all those ugly conversations about super commodity. What if yeah. your loved one dies? And are you what's going on with your Roth IRA and for taxes? And are you investing your stuff properly? And if, is the market going up and down? And how like those are all different kinds of financial services. Should you switch out your credit cards? You know, is your credit score too low. Like there's all, a, so he basically sells financial services and mm -hmm. he sells, I believe the most difficult financial services. Yeah. Which is, Undifferentiable. You know, Everybody has the same products and the same prices. And the perception of people that sell life insurance is kind of scammy. Right. So, yeah. so let me tell you about Caleb. And then this is going to apply to any kind of services based. It could be lawyers, any, any sort of expertise based business, right? So Caleb, when full disclosure, he's a client, I've known him for a few years, he executes all the things that I tell him to do, which makes them just so happy when people actually follow through when I say, do this, this, and this, and they do it. Yeah. So four years ago, he was a nobody, just some kid who ran the investment division inside a bank. And he had no digital presence at all. And I said, you need to start interviewing people who are well-known interview the VPs of the other banks, start speaking at conferences. So I put him on some of these stages. Like I put him at Traffic and Conversion Summit. So he spoke in front of a thousand people and put him on a bunch of stages, which is easy. I can just do that. And he published a book, which is a good book. It wasn't just some book to check the box. It actually is a good book called The End Asset. And his podcast just last week hit 500 episodes. 
So he's interviewed all the top names in financial services. You name it, right? These guys who have millions of YouTube subscribers, people that run the big banks, presidents of the major associations, he's interviewed them. And last week I was in Denver at his conference, Mastermind, he called it, where he had the biggest players in the industry at his mastermind speaking, openly sharing their secrets, talking about, you know, how they sell their products. Cause like the biggest thing in like life insurance and financial services is like, how do you staff up your teams and sell these products and use digital marketing and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And all these folks that were sharing, and this is some 26 year old kid that four years ago was 22 and was a nobody. Wow. And he followed the technique, Chris, that we just talked about, which is he never talked about himself. He just elevated other people. And so what happens when you talk good about somebody else? Reciprocation. They want to say good about you, right? So if you're interviewing clients, which of course he's interviewed all these clients and he does do a good job in advising, like, obviously if you don't, if your firm doesn't do a good job, then this, this word of mouth actually backfires against you. But right. he hired a good team of other consultants and advisors and whatnot, and they do a good job. So he's got great references and those people are happy to talk about him. So he has some of the top people in the industry that are clients of his, which I think is hilarious. And so his business grows because of his word of mouth. And so if you're a bank and you're selling any kind of products, do you have figures? Do you have other people who are respected that this, this, so the idea of the lighthouse is if you want to sell to a particular customer base, look at who they respect and get and interview those people. Because if, if the, the people you want to reach see that you and the person they respect are together, then they're naturally going to want to follow it. it the, the trust that they have for their figurehead conveys onto you. Mm-hmm. That, that's kind of the secret that we're talking about today. And yep. most people don't leverage that secret because they try to go to a direct sale because they're going for a direct lead and booking the appointment directly instead of, wait a minute, if I can play Inception, which is the dream inside the dream inside the dream, I can influence this other group in such a way to get them to talk good about me. Yeah, yeah. I get them to talk good about me by talking good about them. It makes total sense. It makes but total people sense. Don't do it. People don't do it. Yeah, It well, it takes a different type of thinking and a different uh almost a different skill set but it's not difficult to do no um but let's talk so let's talk about a f- let's just say that there's a firm that already has a sales team entrenched mm-hmm. and they offer a good product or offer a good service they have happy customers mm-hmm. is there a way that the leadership of that team could start some of this inception strategy. I love how you're always thinking about inception strategies, like dollar a day to the media outlets, for instance, like that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, But is there a way that this could be activated with a traditional sales team or do you have to totally change the whole model? No, no, no. You can use the existing sales team, but you have to shift. There's two things you have to do at the same time. So you have to shift the mindset of the salesperson who is all about cold calling and every every no you get, it leads to the next yes. And here's the techniques to try to get people to put the money down and say yes. And like, still, you can do all those things, but you have to shift them to where. It, so so the way I would, I would shift their mindset, I would hold my own conferences. And as people would come in and they'd register and pay a lot of money to come to this thing. So as they would come in, we would hand them a white doctor's lab coat with their name on it. So it's a Dr. Chris mechanic, right? 
Dr. Dennis Yu, Dr. I think I might have one of these somewhere here. I can show you what they look like because I wanted to reframe where this person, instead of being some salesperson, like, oh, I hope I could like try to get 15 minutes on the phone with you. I wanted to reframe it to where this person felt like an expert and they had enough expertise to be able to say things that were interesting. We built their personal brand and pimped out their LinkedIn, built websites for each of them, put a Twitter out there, try, you know, tried to build up their public figure just a little bit. They're not trying to become Gary Vaynerchuk, but just trying to put a little bit out there. So that way, when someone spends time with them, then it's not just some sales guy. Because before you meet somebody, Chris, how often do you Google them and look at their LinkedIn? Every time. Yeah. Every so time. You have to build up some very basic personal sort of presence. So that's one, is shifting the perception of that salesperson to feel more kind of consultative. So it's not like, oh, I'm a salesperson, they're just going to try to sell me, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm actually, I actually get 15 minutes to talk to Chris Mechanic. Wow, this is really cool. I better prepare. I'm excited about it. I'm not just going to blow off the appointment, which is what most people do. Oh, it's a salesperson. Huh. I'll just skip them and not even show up, you know? Yeah. So that's one. And then number two, the marketing people. So this is like that whole like sales versus marketing kind of thing, which people, you know. So like, each okay. each person, each person, each BDR or whatever should have some semblance of a personal brand. Yep. Like their it's not LinkedIn, hard to do. Yeah. LinkedIn profile should be tidied. Yeah. Maybe have a personal website, just like a yourname.com or .co yep. or whatever. Yeah. It's like 20 bucks to do all these things, right? Then they have to yeah. make one minute videos on their cell phone post that on Facebook, their LinkedIn, their website, and they can get the whole exercise done in an hour. And then if you want, you hire a couple Filipinos or people on Fiverr just to process all that kind of stuff to you know make it look nice and whatever. And, and you're good to go. It's good enough. It's just a thin little layer, just enough to look like this person has some professional presence. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's that simple. So that's number one. And then the second part is the marketing people have to drive those inbound leads, which is actually easier than getting the salespeople to build their personal brands and change their mindset. So for marketing to do this, they need to put out thought leadership pieces, some kind of lead magnet. Maybe the CEO or founder has a podcast. Maybe like somehow they have to produce, maybe they, you know, they publish a book or like so they speak at conferences, or maybe they already have some of that, but it's just not being seen. What I've seen is that people will have a podcast or they'll be on TV or whatever, but they don't have a marketing team that's picking up those mentions, and then boosting those out for a dollar a day, like we talked about. Today's guest is Eric Carlson, who's co-founder and CEO at Sweatpants Agency, which is a growth marketing firm uh, that does paid media, CRO, uh, email, copywriting, mostly for subscription and e-commerce businesses. But Eric's a good friend of mine in real life. I've known him for many years, and he's just one of these marketers that's that's unstoppable. You know, he's an expert in when it comes to Facebook ads and TikTok and YouTube. But he's one of these people that, no matter what the platform is, and no matter you know what the scenario is or the circumstance, he always just seems to know. Like he always just seems to have the answer. He's just absolutely unstoppable. He's a savage. Uh, welcome to the show today, Eric. My question for you is what makes an unstoppable marketer? Like, what is it that you that you do or how is it that you think that just makes you such a badass? I kind of think of marketing and sales in terms of conventional thinking and unconventional thinking. So if you look at the conventional thinking, it's going to lower your risk. That's where you look at what other players are doing, whether it's the way that their websites are set up or the way that their ads look. You can go ahead and model those things and lower your risk, right? Mm -hmm. And then I think of the unconventional thinking. The unconventional thinking is the thing that actually gives you an alpha, right? So in marketing, there's a lot of things that are unconventional that actually work. 
you know, things like adding steps, things like adding micro commitments, things in sales, for example. I mean, a lot of people conventionally think that sales is about manipulating people or getting the deal done. And the truth is, is that sales is about finding the right fit and it's about being authentic. Candidly, if you're authentic in sales, you're going to close more. So when I think of marketing, I try to think of it from the conventional, unconventional thinking. And you got to make a decision based on where you are in terms of risk tolerance. Yeah. So what are some other examples of unconventional stuff? So, so many. So in terms of unconventional, um, there's a lot of things that people don't really think about that actually give you an outlet. A great example of this is let's talk about like email. Every time that I talk to somebody that claims to be an email expert, all the time they say, you know what, we got to get the unsubscribe rate is below this certain point. And while that sounds terrific, and honestly, for reputation reasons, sometimes you have to get it below a certain threshold. A lot of times, your best sales emails are the ones that actually get the highest unsubscribe rate. So we've done a correlation analysis on this. And we see this time and time again, even the Obama campaign, uh, when they were running in 2018, they actually had a goal of a certain unsubscribe rate. So like, I think about it, and I just hear people all the time talk about things that they're saying are conventional. Heck, double opt-ins on freaking email. I mean, a double opt-in, your whole goal with that is basically to increase your engagement and have a higher quality engagement with your user, as well as manage your reputation. Well, there's other ways to do that. Double opt-ins are horrible. And the truth is, is that you can go ahead and build a sunset series. You can do a lot of different things to increase engagement upfront, but also get rid of the people that aren't engaging while not throwing away a lead because they have to go to their inbox and verify that they want the email. Wow. You just blew my mind, man. I'm curious mm-hmm. when you approach a new client or a new project, do you, are you thinking, Hey, what's the ratio? Like, do you think like a portfolio manager, like what's the ratio of conventional safe stuff that will probably like work mm-hmm. versus unconventional? So a lot of times we'll start with the conventional thinking because it lowers risk and it builds a better baseline. So um, if somebody has a brand new brand, for example, uh, as an example, and we could talk about somebody that already has uh, a brand too, but if they're a brand new brand, kind of the way that I approach it is a lot of times I'll look at what's out there in the market and who's advertising, right? So um, what I like to do, let's say your econ brand, I would look for people that are in the same space as you that are advertising. And there's tools to see people that are advertising, whether it's the Facebook ads tool, or you can look at like Big Spy and see how long somebody's been advertising. Um, A bonus to this is that if you can find somebody that's advertising and bootstrap, absolutely amazing. And a way to do that too is, I mean, you can go to Crunchbase and see who's raising money and who's not, right? And so if you can find the bootstrap ones that are advertising and going for a while, you can look for the patterns across the board, right? You can say, okay, these are the ad styles that they're doing. These are the formulas that they're doing in their ads, as well as like, you know, let's say on the homepage of uh, the e-commerce brand, you know, they have a certain type of image in the hero banner, maybe a flat lay, maybe it's people. Then you might see that every one of them has a credibility badge in terms of like press and all this. And you can dive into these patterns and you're basically looking like, okay, do all three of these have this? Do two of these have it? And there's so many examples and you basically use that as a shortcut to your success, right? Because upfront, what we're really trying to do is get a baseline that we can then beat, right? And in terms of the unconventional, I mean, that's as soon as you have that base, that's going to basically pay for, you know, um, 
profitability, pay for agency, pay for ads, pay for all those things. And then you have the ability to go and do something crazy. Or even if you're close, it might be time to do something crazy, right? Um, I think some of the best marketers have a little bit of nuts in them. <laughs> and so like, um, you know, there's so many examples of that. I mean, we talked a little bit about extending like funnels, like with Honey Killer, we added this quiz that, you know, everybody's like, why would you add a quiz to this? Well, this quiz that people go through gives them concept of use. So it asks, you know, can you keep a secret? How much you like true crime? All this other stuff, who are you going to play with? And it gets them thinking about playing the game as well as gets better understanding what it is. And that particular funnel, when we introduced it, it doubled conversion overnight, right? And like, people don't think that way. Like when you tell people to add steps to a marketing funnel, they say, oh no, you got to get rid of the friction. Let's make this frictionless. Let's get rid of this. And like, Almost all the smart marketers I know, like we secretly know, like you can build forms that are a little bit longer and sometimes get better completion rates. We know that we can do things that sometimes lower advertising, like advertorials. We know that we can do things like articles. We also look at data rather than, you know, just take things blindly, like the double opt out or, you know, the unsubscribe rate. There's just so many things that um, you can get alpha by just being a little bit crazy. Yeah, I like that. I'll, I'll use that. I'll just be like, hey, team, everybody, let's just be a little bit crazy today. <laughs> um, but I do say that actually to clients, like as we're signing on, just to make sure that it's a good fit is I tell them, hey, sometimes we're going to suggest things that may sound crazy. And yeah. we really hope and expect that you are you know, willing to let us do those things. That's why I like you, Chris. You're a little nuts. <laughs> I am a little nuts, man. I'm all about those unconventional things. And like, um, you know, messenger ads, I think there's a lot of room to be like mm -hmm. clever and unconventional there. Hi, Papa. I'm recording a podcast. What do you need? We recently hired uh, a media buyer who's a savage and he was telling us stories about basically, I, I forget the vertical, something about maybe car insurance or something. Mm -hmm. um, but he was saying he was getting long form leads, like 17 different uh, form fields including like VIN numbers for like less than $10. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, On TikTok, that was. <laughs> the finance is actually a real thing on TikTok. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if people really realize it, but like there's people making finance entertaining on TikTok all day long. And like, yeah. there's so many advertisers on there. Plus the CPMs, like if you have a really good ad, you can get like $2 CPM. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us today. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at performancemarketinginsiders.com. This podcast is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the performance agency that makes you smarter, offering AI-driven search, paid social, analytics, and conversion rate optimization for financial services, health, B2B, and SaaS brands that know. Hey guys, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, you can get a performance marketing assessment for free. And this isn't some cookie cutter automated report. It lays out detailed, specific things you can do right now to unlock limitless growth and nirvana level personal satisfaction. To claim your free assessment, just go to performancemarketinginsiders.com slash audit and you'll have your customer report within just a few days. 